Jonathan Wakefield is a brewmaster and founder of Miami's renowned Jay Wakefield Brewing. Now he's opening up his internationally acclaimed tap room at Sirius XM Business Radio for an intimate look at the intersection of craft beer and popular culture. So pull up a chair, have a round on us, and join the conversation on the business of brewing. This is the Beer Hour with Jonathan Wakefield on Sirius XM Business Radio. Hi, I'm Jonathan Wakefield, and this is the Beer Hour on Sirius XM Business Radio 132. Each week, we introduce you to the movers and shakers of the craft beer industry and other entrepreneurs beyond the world of brewing. I'm here in the tap room with our co-host, Maria Cabre. What's going on, Maria? What's up, John? Who's our first guest this week? Our first guest founded Orchestrated Minds Brewing with his wife, Jamie, in 2018. They turned a passion for craft beer into a passion for home brewing into a passion for owning and operating an anno brewery in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. In less than five years, their beers have grown in popularity and critical acclaim, earning them awards like Best New Brewer in Broward County in the 2022 Miami New Times Best of Miami issue. How does a software developer and a lawyer make the leap into the world of craft beer so successfully? We're about to find out. Welcome to the Beer Hour, Davey Martin. Uh, We're also joined by his wonderful wife, Jamie. Thank you guys very much for joining us in the tap room today. Thank you guys for having us. Second time this week. <laughs> yeah. I, I just love I was like, didn't wait to see you, man? Not that long ago? <laughs> I, I intentionally left that book back here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you knew you were coming back. That's what it was. So where did you actually grow up? Uh, I grew up in Southern Virginia uh, on a big, like, tobacco farm. Where at? Uh, Halifax County was the, the county and the town. How did you end up meeting? Oh, my wonderful wife. Uh, well, I went to, like... <laughs> It took me a long time to become a good like student uh, when I was going through college and education was very important to my father and, and, and my mother as well. But so it took me a long time to figure it out. Once I finally figured it out, it happened to kind of that green light for me or that 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 big light for me happened in uh, Arizona at a small school called Collins College. I was going to school for video game engineering, video game design. Nice. And uh, and I was living in an apartment complex in Tempe. And uh, one day this this beautiful this beautiful girl uh, moved in like right across the, the sort of the greenway and across the pool from me. And, uh, and, and I, I, I was coming home from class one day and, and I ran into her father and actually her younger sister and just struck up just a genuine conversation about them moving in and, and, uh, found out a lot about a lot of information about them coming in from Connecticut, et cetera. And, uh, she had a boyfriend at the time. So I, I baited my, <laughs> I, I waited, I waited for a while, but I was, as soon as I saw her, like a, it's funny, I even tell my mama, mama, back me up on this story. The instant that I saw her, and, and I was just so enamored with her, she had this, like, kind of, you know, haircut, different haircut back then, like a little bob, and it was, like, like rock star pink underneath, and it was just, I don't know, I was just, I was smitten from the All very right, first now, time I saw her. now you tell your account of the story, Jamie. <laughs> that is pretty much the story. My dad introduced me to him, and, yeah, I was dating someone else at the time, so I was like, this is not appropriate right and i just basically ignored him she and did. she um, dissed me so many times yeah. oh. um but then we all kind of like became friends and we lived there and then it just eventually over time it nice. all kind of worked out but yeah of course at first when my dad is introducing me to someone I'm like eh, no not interested <laughs> <laughs> thanks but no thanks <laughs> pretty much so were you guys crap beer drinkers when you guys moved here I don't really think so. You know, we came, you know, we came, what, drinking uh, in college, you know, we, we had oh. at native, native New Yorker, it was like we could get $2 Coronas, yeah. I believe. Uh, and we were more into liquor. I'll be honest. You know, I was a big Hennessy guy. She was a big vodka girl. And then we found a, a middle on tequila and tequila was like really our shtick. Yeah. You know, uh, craft beer kind of, I would say came in about 2013, you know, when we started getting like maybe Funky Buddha starting to get right. open and Jamie being from Connecticut, like I fell in love with that place, Treehouse. Yeah. And, you know, some of that Northeast style that we weren't really seeing out here. Right. You know, it was kind of a, a forgotten area out here in South Florida, I think, for a while. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this place, I mean, this place was a desert. There was nothing down here. I mean, not, I mean, we didn't even have stores that sold even generic crap beer like Belgian stuff till Total Wine opened. Yeah. And that was not that long ago, you know what I mean? But there was no breweries except for one on the beach and then I think Yeah, the Abbey. The Bear, Big Bear or something up oh, there. Oh yeah, West. Yep, they've yeah. been here for a long time. Long yeah. time and that was about it. But the really you know, it kinda exploded starting Funky Buddha and those guys and then we opened and stuff. I mean, it's definitely a different beer scene than going up to the northeast. One hundred percent. 
I mean, that's really what got us into beer was that we really felt like it was just like a desert oasis, like oh, you yeah. said out here. Yeah. And it was just, you know, so fun to be able to even think about creating something like just for your friends to drink. Yeah. Or, or so that's what is that what made you jump in homebrew? Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, when we went up there the first time I had like you know green and I know that's yeah. kind of like it's probably like an old story. I think a lot of people probably say that, but it's true. I mean, I used to dude, I used to get growlers. The stuff sent to me, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, we're talking you know, back in the day, but th- that and original Julius and stuff like that, you know what I mean? But, like, I used to have to, like, give away the house to try to get some <laughs> of this stuff. Absolutely, man. Yeah. You know, you go up the mountain, they'd have, like, a list of four options. Yeah. You'd rate it, like, one, two, or three, which was the most important. Go down the hill, eat some barbecue, come right. back an hour later, and there was just crowlers outside. Exactly. You hoped they had something that you right. wanted. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. So what was your initial, like, homebrew setup like back in the day? Well, we started off, uh, I think we went... You're laughing. You're laughing about this. <laughs> I just remember my house full of all sorts of beer stuff and how we had to, like, hook everything me. up. Like, first it was just the lanai. Then it was, like, the lanai in the kitchen. And then also the guest room. And then creeping into all the other rooms. And I was like, yeah, it has to, has to get out of here. When I, when I first met her, she, you worked your job at the Fountain, Fountain Blue. Blue. But then on her off time, we'd... Like me. Before, so before work, because I used to work before the work. So, three o'clock. Uh, to we had another guy. O'clock. We had another guy, Matt, and and another guy, and her would come over, and we'd homebrew. But it was just sitting in my house in my living room. I'd have big trash cans with ice and water as like that. The and carboy, I ha- and I have to clean it. Cause, yeah, you know that would Matt be the Smith. blow off to you try to maintain Smith. the temperature. Oh, tall Matt. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We love Matt. So he didn't like cleaning. <laughs> No, he didn't know how to clean the carboy, nor did he want to. with that baby now. He's cleaning yeah. a lot now. He's oh, making a for it now. Yeah. So cleaning the carboys, and then when we were knocking at whatever, like all this stuff, I chest wanted to learn. Chest freezers in the garage with more fermentation. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. It, was it, it escalated so fast. You know, I think the first time we did it was was probably like an extract kick, like a Mr. Beer. Uh, we wanted to make some sort of IPA, yeah. and, and, you know, it came with, oh, God, it was so bad. That's we, another episode you can listen to. We <laughs> interviewed Mr. Beer Kit. Yeah. No, I, my, but, dude, that's how I started. Like, I had a Mr. Beer Kit, right? And that immediately was not enough beer because I only made a little under a gallon, and then that was gone, you know, <laughs> like this. And I'm like, man, I can't keep making just a gallon. I got to make, like, at least five. So then I went and got the carboys and the pots and all this, and it just, you know, blows up from there. Yeah, it, t- it took off. We did the, you know, the, the next step, I think, was the Home Depot orange Buckets. Uh, coolers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah for it, your mash-in. For your yeah. mash-in. And, and yeah. then, you know, you really just needed a boil kettle at that point. Yeah. You know, you would, yeah. you would let, let, let gravity and nature pull everything down. <laughs> exactly. And, oh, my God, it was so bad. I mean, we, our first sour came up that way. I was doing it one day in the, in the, uh, outside, and it started raining on me. And to this day, we still make a beer called Afternoon Showers using mangoes. We have a mango tree at the house. Yeah. And, and to this day, we still do that. We That's brew awesome. it, obviously, a lot different now. But. Right, right, right. <laughs> hey, listen, I mean, exactly. From the days, yeah, it, everything changes a little bit. So which one of y'all came up with the idea to open a nano brewery? Davey. Yeah? Yeah, I'm the dummy, yeah. She's <laughs> like, I'm just trying to be a lawyer. <laughs> right, as soon as our life got, like, really great, like, fiscally, I'm like, let's just throw all this shit away and let's start all over again you know because i really look at you know building a brewery and, and i could be totally off this is just my mentality but it's literally like going back through school again oh yeah you know, oh. your first four years of your grad or your undergrad the next two years you know you hope that you've got a product and a, and a base right. that now we're in graduate school and then at six and seven eight nine ten years is where you really hope to see like all the returns and all the friendships and all the the community really kind of blossom around you and it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a lot of work. I don't think people understand that, but it is. I think people look at the brewery scene like, oh, you just make beer. That's super easy. <laughs> oh boy, I wish. So far from that, man. So far from that. So who can tell us about the name, Orchestrated Minds? Well, I mean, I can't take any credit for that, Davey. Going back to him doing video games, so he had started a video game company in Arizona, and he used the same name. Um, so we kind of already had that. But the idea behind it back then with video games was that, no offense, but he didn't really have any one specific skill. So he was good at creating the team. And that was like the orchestrating of minds. So when we were thinking about beer names, we had an, a few others like floating around. But really that same idea, you know, kind of applied to beer. You make everything come together to, you know, create one good product. You're like the headhunter. That's it. Well, I'm like the project lead. Except yeah. with beer, he actually makes 
the beer right. versus the video game. So right. it's a little different. But, but yeah, you're just good at putting people together. Yeah, that was that was my big skill set. You know, coming out through a video game engineering school, uh, a lot of those folks are, you know, in their own corner and they're extremely talented, but they don't know how to get it out of their brain onto paper and into right. a product. Right. And and like she said, I mean, I was I was a decent coder. I was a pretty good mocap guy, pretty good, yeah. you know, uh, keyframe animator and stuff like that, good storyboarder, great with Foley, making sound effects. But there was always somebody in my class I felt that was better than me, but they maybe didn't like to talk. So let me come and introduce <laughs> you to this guy. Right, yeah. And then let's all get together, and then I can keep the project on time. I can make sure we meet our deliverables. Right. You know, I'll be the guy talking to the teachers, talking to the professors, going out, talking to the money people, and then we'll be able to together create this product. And that's... Even with our insignia, you know, you see it come up like this. I try to think of myself as being the conductor, sort of leading that symphony. That's a, a great skill set, I think, to have as a business owner. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Uh, basically, I mean, it's like team sports. <laughs> and that, it goes back to kind of what you're saying with us at the military school. Right. You know, if, if it wasn't for growing up on a farm and having yeah. to get up at 4 or 5 in the right. morning yeah. and, and playing sports pretty much my yeah. entire life. Yep. You know, and being injured while playing sports and having to kind of come back from that, too. You have to be like the team leader, but a team player at the same time. And it's important to find those cogs in the wheel that fit that team because not all of them do. <laughs> so it's always that struggle to, you know, find those key pieces like to make a championship run. You know what I mean? Preach. You know, so it's it's not easy by any means. But like to have that skill set to be that leader and be able to find those people and see those those avenues that people might be better skilled in one set and find another guy that might be good in this other skill set and bring them together. I mean, that's that's a good talent to have, though. Appreciate that. So, went from home brewing. Now you got this Nano Brewery. Where are you guys located at? Uh, right now, we're located in downtown Fort Lauderdale, uh, just uh, right by downtown, right off of 95 in Broward. Uh, our main like cross streets will be Broward and Avenue of the Arts. Okay. Pretty popular streets right there. Uh, we're one street back on uh, actually 803 First Avenue. Okay. So no, we're just one street. street. Oh, I'm sorry. First Street. Look at me. I'm about to have All of our mail sent gets sent to First Avenue. Whoever <laughs> lives at that house has kegs of amazing beer. Amazing beer. Half of my lunches. <laughs> oh, my Everything God. goes there. All our collab cans. One day uh, I'm going to need to go visit them and introduce myself. Girl, how haven't you gone there yet? It's a half a mile away. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Hello? I think you have my uh, mail. Yeah. They, they do. And they, they accept it. Like... That's crazy. I'll call me like, oh, I never got this. Like, oh yeah, some guy took it. He said he he said he would give it to you. So they know that they're getting. <laughs> oh my god. So they're drinking wow. great beer. Whoever lives there. That's crazy. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. That's crazy. What? Um, how big is the facility? Okay, so we opened with twenty five hundred square foot. We also took on another. Uh, what we have as a barrel room is another thousand square foot. Okay. So we have about four thousand square foot in total space. Right. A thousand square foot is dedicated to the tap room uh, with a firewall separating the production facility yep. that they make you put in. Exactly. Uh, that's another like fifteen hundred uh, where we have production, um, and then like I said, the thousand square foot that's tied to the adjacent uh, production facility for the barrels. We just nice. keep barrels, and I'll take grain, you know, grain orders, and keep like one way kegs and stuff like that in there. Nice. How big of a how big is the brew setup? Uh, we just upgraded. Uh, we're still a nano technically, uh, but we did just upgrade in September from a one barrel for the first three years we were open right. SS to a three and a half barrel SS with an oversized mash ton to for be higher five. gravity Ex beers. So we don't have to yeah. boil for twelve days yeah. to get the gravity that we're used right. to getting, especially for filling barrels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I mean, that's when we when I did this setup, we did oversized mash ton for that purpose. That way you didn't have to boil a long time. You could fit more grain in. You could do higher gravity beers and so on and so forth. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We have some way. sevens on the way in to do like some core beers, you know, the touch yep. of grays, the pilsners, you know, as we start thinking about distro possible opportunities there. Um, and then we also kept some two barrel fermenters just for the big stouts so that we can just do first runnings, nice. run those bad boys off, grain that thing out. Let's do another one. And then we'll still boil it down for six hours and get just over two barrels so we can fill maybe a couple of barrels of wood. Nice. Because we'll fill a 30 and a 53, you know, if we can, just to keep those fresh beers coming out. You know, those 30s, even though obviously you can let them sit for 12, you know, if you want something fresh for the tap room. Right. Those 30s have just been amazing for us as we've been so small and being able to grow. Right. I think the amount of BA beer that we've dropped in the last three years is really ridiculous for like our size of, of brewery. Right. Yes. Right now. How much, how much annual production do you think you're doing? 
We did 300 barrels the first two years. Last year, we dipped a little bit with the new scale coming in down to like 273, I think. I think everybody dipped a little last year. <sighs> that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a weird year, man. It really was. Like we, yeah, we've ch- we've chatted about yeah, it yeah. off offline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so. Out of your inspiration, how would you say that Hill Farmstead, the boys out of Vermont, have inspired you? Oh my goodness! Well, you you know you go back. Uh, some of you guys as regulars, they've moved to Tampa, but their name were uh, Tom uh, Tom Pilla and Katrina Pilla. They used to come in like the day y'all the day y'all flooded. They right. were here that first day. And uh, we used to do these epic bottle shares at their place. And uh, they had this, this Earl Grey tea from them. Uh, they had lactose and some different stuff. But, man, you know, we, we would bring, you know, we grab civil cans or we get treehouse cans, other half cans. And they had this plug to, like, you know, Tired Hands and, and Hill Farmstead. And it was just, like, it was just crazy on my palate. And, and Jamie's such a Saison lover. And I, I've become, I became one, you know, over the years as well. And just the stuff he was dropping out of there. And again, going back to where I grew up, you know, seeing somebody right. be able to, to take their farmstead and turn it into that. You know, our original plan was to go back to Virginia and do this. After plenty of research, we found that that would be better as a retirement plan. You know? Right, right. Just because it's so out the way, as you know, from where right, you went yeah. to school. There's no real easy way to get there. And we didn't have the clout of someone like a, like a Hill Farmstead where you can open and people going to come from Russia. People going to come from right, everywhere, right, right. you know, just because of your name. And so uh, out in the middle of nowhere, Vermont, you know, and if it snows, you, you know, you talked about the cars, you got to oh, have yeah. the water out here. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it I think we took a lot of inspiration from them. Um, as we read about them too, you know, not only did we love a lot of the beer styles they were doing, but the iterations and like understanding your product to where we like this, but it's still not there. Like having the, the wherewithal to be like, look, we, we might put something in a barrel. Maybe it works out. Maybe it won't, but we're going to just dump this beer because this isn't where we wanted it to be. Right. And I think as when we first started, you know, we had a lot more freedom to do that. Um, I think we brewed a thousand times in three years. That's a whole lot of brewing, John. Yeah, I know. You know? Oh, and, I know. <laughs> and so, you know, you hope that maybe 900 of those went to table and we yeah. were able to make some money from them. But, you know, we had hundreds of beers that we threw away because they just weren't there, especially right. as we tried to get that New England IPA. But that's a sign of, of, well, of a right. good would, brewer. Like, if you're not able to recognize when your product isn't good enough to put out to the masses. Well, they always say, I mean, even from back in the day, you know, I was told that if you're not dumping beer, you're not making good beer. I mean, plain and simple. Like, if you're just trying to put everything out, bad or good, like, you ain't making good beer, man. No. And your worst friend is your best friend because they're yeah. going to sit there and tell you, oh, man, this is great. You know, you, when you're giving no, shit away right, for when free. it's really not. Yeah, you're yeah. giving shit away for free. Nobody has a problem with it. Right. Yep. Yeah. So right. our first six months were pretty tough. The yes you know? people. <laughs> yeah. And you need, though, you know, you need your rah-rah people. But a little bit of honesty goes a long ways. And if they're really your friend, you're not going to, like, hate them and, and never speak to them right. again. Right. They're just being be honest. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Are you guys taproom only for right now? We do minor distribution, um, very minor right now. Uh, uh, our focus has really been, you know, getting out to the, like Laser Wolf and like Cuvo, like in yeah. our neighborhood. Yeah. And then focusing everything else kind of going out to like the Orlandos and honestly outside the state. Yeah. Uh, we are licensed right now for North and South Carolina, Chicago and California. So when we get opportunities to send out pallets and stuff like that for, uh, for festivals, we do try to do our best. Obviously, we have a lot more freedom now with the bigger system to do that and allocate that type of stuff. Nice. Nice. So what's next for you guys? What's next on Orchestrated Minds Horizon? What can we talk about? Ooh, there's stuff you can't talk about. People uh, have dropped breaking news here, by the way. Uh, well, I mean, I on think- this show, <laughs> on the Beer Hour, on Sirius XM. Oh, no. <laughs> well, we're super humbled to be here. I mean, you know, the big thing for OMB right now is uh, we are in uh, the final year of our first lease. Uh, we do have an option, and, and we, 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 we feel like uh, with where the market is right now, and you guys can attest to this. Oh. I mean, we're looking for a building, guys. You know, we're looking for a building. Uh, you know, the, I, I go back, I think about what, uh, what my friend uh, from Blackstack told me, Murphy, when we got the three and a half. He's like, why are you doing it? Just get the seven. And I'll tell you, on my second brew day, I was like, fuck, man, why didn't I get the seven? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. No, but, you always go, man, I should have gone bigger. I mean, to a point. To, to a point. And we think that seven to ten barrels is like the perfect oh, style no, of beer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so we want to find a forever home uh, in Broward within a half a mile uh, of where we are. Uh, no more west, but east and, uh, north, and north, south, or east uh, within like a half a mile. We really want to find a forever home, build out, do a full build out, you know, with a seven to ten barrel brew house and a kitchen. 
Um, you know, we, we look at our, our, some of our peers, like Trillium, like how they obviously on a much bigger scale. Right. Um, and, and, and even like Three Sons to it. To we always want to remain a brewery that might happen to have food and not be a restaurant that makes beer. Yes. That's very important to yes. us. Yeah. Um, but we also understand like keeping people's butts in chairs and getting people to bring, you know, feeling comfortable bringing their kids and stuff yeah. like that, you know, to, to the brew house. You know, we always liked being kind of the grungy sort of like kind of New York style brewery with the, the MF and on the, on the radio and right, stuff like yeah. that. And I don't want that to change. I don't want our identity to change, but we understand the necessity of throwing out a larger net to bring in a bigger base. Yeah. I mean, it's actually a great plan. You know what I mean? Now well, you if you want to go in, we'll just split it, you know, have you on one <laughs> side, us on the other. I dig that. I'm not going to drive to Broward. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it do right it in the, the middle, county the line. Yeah, right on the border. Right there in, uh, what is that? Uh, Miami Gardens? Hollywood? <laughs> well, no, <laughs> what is this? Right up there by, like, off-site now, right? It's, uh, what is that, like, uh, I forget the name of the area, Indian River or something? Oh, uh, look, look. <laughs> oh um, yeah. Or yeah. we go super fancy and go over there by that expensive mall. Uh, what's that mall with the, the sushi spot I like? You got to pay to park at the freaking mall. Oh. Not Aventura. Not no. Aventura. It starts with a B, right? Bow Harbor. Oh, oh Bow Harbor. Yes. Oh, yeah. you like going to Makoto. Look See. at you fancy, dog. <laughs> That's right by John's house, though. No. So John will be like, yep, we can open there. Well, yeah. we can have a whole hour just talking about food. Yeah. Beer is oh. cool, but we go food. It gets oh, crazy. Yeah. Especially yeah. sushi. Yeah. Oh, I love sushi. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Got to make a Every date. S- yeah. All of us. Yeah. All of us love sushi. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I got one last question for you. I mean, what would you say to a young couple who are successful in their chosen careers after years of education, who have a common passion outside of their careers that they would like to pursue? And it could be anything, not beer. Right. I mean, yeah, just, you know. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Uh, this is the business channel. So, like, taking that leap, right? You know, I think – the biggest thing that you can do, John, I think you'll probably attest to Maria and, and Jamie as well. You know, Jamie and I have, have restarted multiple times. You know, we, we said we're going to do it. You know, she has her own law firm now. You know, it's not like she's just an attorney. Right. You know, all these leaps and bounds we've done straight into the pool, you know, um, without much of a safety net. So I think that we can, um, if anything, if, if I would say anything, I would just say, you know, trust in your system. Trust in your process do the research, make yep. a business plan, yep. you know, don't just, you know, don't just go get loans and, and or borrow money from family and friends, just sight unseen, you know, do your research, you know, spend six months to a year. If there's a way that you can intern in a specific uh, industry and really learn the grunt work of it. I think that that just gives you such an appreciation from the top down. You know, I think of us as brewers, we're just glorified janitors. People just like to, you know, they just see us pouring beer or, or at a festival and they think we're having a good time. It's tiring. Yep. It's exhausting. Paying taxes is exhausting. Uh, answering emails is exhausting. Making the beer is probably 8% of what I do. Right. And I'm the only one that does it. 80, you know? <laughs> 80% of brewing is cleaning. You it nailed is. it. Yeah. You know, so I think that if, if somebody, and they, if you can go through that and you take those six months and you still really want to do it as much as you did before, then I think you believe in yourself and you hopefully have a significant other or a partner that can really, because doing it alone is just mentally so much work. It's draining. It's so draining, Maria. And if you have somebody that, you know, can go through it with you and, and when you come home and you just really just need a hug and for no one to fucking even talk to you, just let the dogs or the cats come and just take you over and and just have a (laughs) stiff drink. You know, just have a stiff drink and just, you know, really be able to, to look at yourself in the mirror. To unwind, yeah. You know, but, you know, I, I say that the biggest thing, too, is, you know, strong morals and ethics. Believe in yourself. Treat people the right way. And, and everything really, in my opinion, does work out for you. It is hard. It is hard freaking work. I don't care what the business is. But if you believe in yourself and, and you got a good, you know, a good vision and, a, and work ethic, you know, yeah. again, coming oh. back to how we grew up, you know, I. I love my dad for that. You know, me and my dad, we ha- will have plenty of differences of opinions on a lot of things. But that man made me work. That man made yep. me work. And I think that that's my fear was what I see today with what the Internet and, and, and I think work ethic in general, especially you guys know how hard it is. Just to, when you see people looking for kitchen help, for example, it's so difficult, you yep. know. And, and I think that if, if you go out there, you do the work for six months and, and you still love it as much yep. as you thought that you loved it, then I would say go forward. But I, 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 I would – I was told by Scott at Courtyard he, when I when I said I'm going to open up our brewery. He said, "Man, it's a lot of work." 
And every single time I hear someone say anything about their what they want to open, I'm like, man, that's a lot of work. Yeah. It's the best piece of advice I ever got. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's absolutely true. You know, it is a lot of work. And I guess if you love what you're doing, then it's not as much work as it really you can make it out to be. You know I tell you, I mean? John, I mean, you're, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head right there. You know, I, I, what I always do, no matter how tired I am, you know, I try to stay that extra five minutes in the tap yep. room and speak to that customer or that home brewer and just try to insight, you know, put some insight into what they're yep. doing. You know, just try to be supportive, even though I'm so doggone tired. I really just want to go home. Even but though it, I would say nowadays, <laughs> like right now, to open a brewery. You're crazy. No, You're a crazy no, person. No. But, but I, every day I go into the brew house, John, I flip on that light switch, and when those oh, lights yeah. come on and I see my brew house, and, yeah. and it's our brew house, but when I see my brew house right. and my fermenters, I get this smile, right. and it's so – I got chill bumps now just thinking about it. I, I love what I do right. so much. Right. And if, if you can get up and go to your job and feel like that, because I, I stopped feeling like that for software. Right, right. I fell out of love with it very quickly. People who couldn't do my job giving me deadlines – I don't work well under those constraints. Right, right, and right. as you guys know, I've never really had a problem telling people how I feel. Mm-hmm. Right. So thankfully, I've had my wife in my corner to back me up. And if I'm wrong, she lets me know. And if I'm right, she uh, doesn't really let me know as much, but she doesn't tell me <laughs> I'm wrong. And, uh, and, yeah, you know, it's just being thankful, you know, being so appreciative for the opportunity that right. we have. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been uh Excellent talk, man. Thank you very much for taking the time out. Thank to come you, down. guys. Thanks man. for having us. Yeah, yeah, so stoked to be here. Glad to have y'all. Thank you very much. Cheers, everybody. You're listening to the Beer Hour with Jonathan Wakefield. Conversations on the business of brewing and popular culture. Our next guest founded Fukum's Fabulous Key Lime Pies in Miami, Florida, Coconut Grove, to be exact. During the pandemic, he was furloughed from his television production job and was left without a steady source of income. He started baking pies in his kitchen and selling them by the slice in his front yard. Before long, word spread about the key lime pie guy of Coconut Grove and his pie mobile. Local restaurants started requesting his pies to include on their dessert menus. He has been featured on Good Morning America, MSNBC, and in the Miami Herald. Welcome to the Beer Hour, Josh Abril. Thank you very much for joining us in the tap room today. It's a uh, pleasure to actually have you on site with us. Certainly humbled. Thank you. <laughs> so where did you grow up? So I grew up in Miami. The house I was born into was out west. Then we moved down south. Currently, I live in Coconut Grove. So you've out- been in Miami your whole life. Though. Oh, I'm like, out west is where? Out yeah. west. I west mean, Kendall? out west. Galloway. Okay. You know what I mean? Now, when I was a kid, it, so it like felt West out Chester. west. Where's Galloway? Yeah. West Chester, what? and then down south. Yeah, I think they I call it know. Olympia Heights these okay. days. Okay, yep. I, I don't know yeah. anything about down southwest. That's no, you, you don't. You're a North now Miami you, kind of guy. If you talk north, then, you know, then I'll know. So, I mean, you've been here your whole life then. I, be, uh, I mean, I grew, I'm born and raised down here. I went to Tallahassee for college. Oh, then I moved oh, to Spain. Oh, we got to stop and, the interview right now, then. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't look like a Noel fan, Oh, though. damn. Uh, no, I, was, I mean, growing up, I was a Canes fan. Uh-huh. I hated the Noles, and then I went there. Now, yeah, I'm going to get Bash? creamed for this, but they're my number two team. Okay, you know, okay. I was going to say, if we're going to have a problem. No, right. it's, a, it's hard to no. break away from those lineages. And you know? where did you live in Spain? Uh, I was living in Madrid. Okay, cool. Yeah. How long were you there? Uh, I lived there about a year and a half, two years, but I came back in 2000, late 2009. And since then, I've, uh, for the first 10 years back, I was spending almost as much time back there as I was here. Really? Yeah. Wow. So when the pandemic hit in 2020, you were working as an associate producer on a reality show. Which one was that? Uh, multiple reality shows. I was really? freelance. So really? it, I had a group that was, uh, they were doing a lot of work with, I, I mean, uh, Viacom shows. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. That's going to be able- Yeah. No, yeah, fine. The building's right here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they were doing a lot of Viacom shows. Uh, the last two I was working mostly on were Cartel Crew and Love and Hip Hop Miami. There you go. <laughs> you watched that show, didn't you? No, I didn't watch Love no. and Hip Hop. I watched no. Real Housewives of Miami. Wait a second, wasn't uh, Jojo? Jojo was on, was on that, right? Yeah, Love and Hip Hop. Yeah, yeah. So what happened when production shut down on those things in the, during the pandemic? Uh, I mean, uh, everything went full stop. You know, I was actually getting on another show. 
Uh, I don't know if I can say the name of it. I don't right, know if it ever fine. actually aired. Right. But I was just about to jump on another show, and at that point, we had just filmed a scene in Houston, <clears throat> and they were uh, they were going around at the end of that shooting asking, "Are you okay?" Look, you know, word is there's this COVID thing floating around. Right. Uh, are you okay with travel? And I was, you know, to me, it's like it's like bird flu, right? You hear right. about it today and right. next week. So I was cool with it, but then everything just went kaput. Right. And that was that. So when during this time period did you have that kind of aha moment that you could sell slices of key lime pie from your front yard to pay your bills? Um, I wouldn't call it an aha moment per se. Right. You know, it was, uh, it was, I had nothing better to do. I had $1,200 in my bank account and no sign of work to come. Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you remember just how bad things oh, got no. in terms of oh, i know is uh, i mean i was applying i was applying for unemployment for the first time and along with i think 1.5 million other, other floridians people, yeah. in the same day or the same week or something like yeah. that no so yeah it's it was crazy i wouldn't call it an aha moment it was just like well i am i i think i make a pretty good pie i have nothing better to do me and my brother just sat in front of my in the driveway cracked a beer and just started waving at people saying hey Got pie. Really? Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> That's amazing, though. That's amazing. So up until that point, what was your experience in baking? Um, I like it as much as your neighbor. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, so. So a weekend warrior kind of thing? I'm sorry? Like a weekend warrior, weekend baker kind of deal? Is that what? No, nah, I mean, I wouldn't even call it that. It's just, so, all right, a lot of people are like, what's your passion with baking? How long has that been your right. passion? This, that, the other. Right. I would say my passion is more in traveling. Right. And, okay. okay. You know. And so it's like, yeah, that's why, like a lot of people, why key lime pie? Because there aren't many dishes that encapsulate South Florida as well as that. I would agree. I, I mean, if there is one dessert for all of South Florida, uh, it's key lime pie. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I wouldn't say, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't say that it was um, a bake. It's not, I wouldn't say that I was like uh, big time into baking or anything like right. that. So what, what kind of setup do you have in your kitchen going? Uh, wherever it fits, it stands kind of situation, you know? Oh, that's amazing. She was a pastry chef. You're pointing at me like, <laughs> like I have I, I mean, like, like, you still bake, though. You still do. I mean, mm-hmm. it's at this point, though, you're not working out of a kitchen. It's really where anything fits is where it goes. Right. I mean, right. A, I cook and, and do stuff, and it's wherever I can jam a pot or a pan or the mixer or wherever. That's where it goes. Right. And so... Because uh, I'm, in, I'm on a couple of uh, rest, uh, restaurant menus, and as well as now I'm in Josh's Premium Meats, you know, fi- uh, fine food products shop in South Miami. Wow. Which is, fa- uh, I mean, it's flattering to say the least. But so Botanico is one of the restaurants that I sell in, and they let me use their kitchen, which is very, very handy for th- right. the more commercial aspects of what I'm doing. Um, so my house, it's not just my kitchen. Like, my girlfriend walks in my house, shakes her head, and walks out and says, meet me at my place. You know, it's just, the whole house is just a mess. You know, it's a warehouse. <laughs> right, right. No, I got you. I mean, but, I mean, after you sold that first, like, pie out of your front yard on Oak Avenue in the Grove, you even started, like, a bicycle cart, right? Yeah, so... I mean, that you drove around and sold slices of pie, like... Do you remember the first, like your first transaction in that bicycle cart? Like, do you even remember who bought the first slice of pie? I can't, I can't remember the first transaction I made on it. That was, I mean, that was simply, it seemed like a kitschy thing to do. Right. Um, I don't know if you, you remember the naked cyclist yes. in Miami. Yeah, yeah. So he's a friend of mine. Really? Yeah. I, he's, a, he's a huge key lime pie fanatic. And so if you go to Coconut Grove, then the neighborhood nexus is... Danny's bike shop revolution. Right. And so he was there. He'd always go to say hi to Danny. We were hanging out. He kind of brought it up. You should get a, you should get a bike. And there was already, there was a guy, his name's heaven. He'd ride around with a three wheeler with a big smoker on the back and sell barbecue off of his bike. I've seen, I've seen in other cities, dudes with like creme brulee bikes, creme brulee bike. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's quite, let me sip my uh, coffee with my pinky up. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? Some cool stuff. Key lime pie is pretty dope though. I mean, how long after that? Tr- I mean, how long did the bike last? I mean, I still have it. I'd still love to ride it more. Uh, right now, it's sitting with a flat. Uh, it's just things have gotten busy, and it's yeah. it's 
uh, yeah, because it turned into the kind of thing that I would ride around mostly at night, and right. uh, it became more of a because you hit a pothole, everything goes to pot inside, right, right. you know. And so it's uh, really it became more of a billboard, a mobile billboard than ah. an actual sales unit. And so nowadays it's just at the end of the day I'm so worn out, it requires a lot of energy. Yeah. I would. <laughs> How many miles are you putting in on that thing? <laughs> uh, I mean, Coconut Grove, you know, it's oh, yeah. a mile across. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess some debate, right? Like, why do you choose not to put eggs in your pies? Uh, I started because, I mean, I started looking up recipes online and whatnot. And just the less eggs I put in it, the more I liked it. I didn't like the custardiness, you right. know. And so finally it was just, pfft, no eggs. Really? Oh, yeah. It's a, it was my favorite way of making it. What's your thoughts? I mean, how have you met it? I mean, because I know there's two schools, right? The custard style and then, like, the non-egg. Apparently. It's a, I, didn't, I hadn't thought of it that way until customers started saying, oh, you're, you're more this way. I'm like, okay, I guess that's a thing. So now that, obviously, we find out there's two different schools of, of key lime pie to go off of here, like, where did the origin of the name Fukum's Fabulous come from? Uh, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people come up to me ask if, ask me if Fukum's my last name. It isn't. Um, the name, let's say, I couldn't get my unemployment because no fault of their own. You know, just the, the systems so like were crashing. Uh, let's, uh, let's say Fuk the whole situation. I dig it. I dig it. Okay. So actually... Connie Ogle from Miami Herald described your pies as delicious, citrusy, and bright with a sea salt graham cracker crust that will make you reevaluate every other key lime pie you've ever eaten. John's mouth is watering while he's saying that. <laughs> it's like salt and sweet and citrusy. I mean, I mean you can't beat salt and sweet. So oh, when, when did you first discover that people really, really liked your key lime pies? I discovered that people liked my pies uh, at the same time. So as people were walking up buying pies, there were quite a few neighbors that would try it and say, this is, you're going to go somewhere with this. And so funny enough, working on love and hip hop, I remember trick daddy always telling one of the, uh, one of his protégés, uh, doesn't matter what your family says. It doesn't matter what anyone it's, it's, People that you don't know. When they right. start supporting you, then right. you know you've got a quality product. Right. And so that was, that's, that's pretty much when I thought I had a pretty good buy. But it was, like, you know, it, was, it was when random people were coming up to me as like, yo, one day I might want to invest. And I'm like, in what, a driveway? You know? And so. So when do you really think it took off? To this, so, to like where it started going into restaurants and other facilities, you know? Right. Everything's been so gradual. It doesn't feel like it ever really took off at any given point, except, I mean, so I got on, well, technically Good Afternoon America, you know, right. but Good Morning right, right, America, right. Because, you know, to inflate my ego a little bit. <laughs> of course. It's, uh, it got on that early on, and that, that, that was a fluke of luck. That right. was uh, one of my neighbors was a producer for them working remotely. And she loved the pie. She would come to me every day, and she thought it would be a good feel-good piece. Right. And so there was that. There was um, there was an MSNBC or there was a NBC Now piece. Okay. Um, and so they did. They did a lot to help, obviously. But the piece in the Herald did wonders because it's much more local. You know? Of course. And I think broadcasting it to the local base where you're from, Miami. I mean, I. Th- as far as I, I mean, I think Miami supports Miami. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I think it's, it's obviously that I could see how taking off more in your local market. So, I mean, do you ship now out of state or? Um, so I don't ship now. I wish I could. I'm basically, I'm working out the packaging and all that stuff so right. that it will arrive without looking like just a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've ordered stuff off of Gold Belly. And, like, so have you. And I think the key is, like, having a firm container, but then having, like, dry ice and stuff around that, like, that It also depends what your shit... Because Misha's does gold gold belly now. Frankie's Pizza, which is a staple in Westchester. Right. They do gold belly? Yeah. It is. And there's... I mean, there's a lot of key lime pie plays that do it. It's not like it's not possible. It's not like I'm, you know, discovering the wheel. You can probably freeze it and then... 
like not vacuum seal, but like the plastic that wraps right. and then ship it frozen yeah. and then they can probably I mean, ha- it. Yeah. Have you thought, I mean, is that where you want to take it? Yeah, absolutely. I get people emailing me all the time asking oh. if I ship. Um, I've tried shipping. It has worked out. I'd give, I'd give it a C plus B minus. <laughs> I at least want to be an A minus before right, I'm shipping right. to actual customers and not just a friend in California. Yeah, I think I think the logistics and everything on packaging when it comes to that it adds a whole different like yeah, wrench dynamic. to the to, yeah. Yep. Yep. Because if we had the ability to ship, I'm sure we'd be it'd be a whole different ball game. You yeah, know what I mean, so yeah, it's what I mean. Do you just make one size pie? Do you make multiple size pies? And do you offer just one flavor, or are there multiple different flavors that you offer? So two size pies. I started off selling whole ten inch pies and right. slices thereof. Right. Um, I, then I started adding key lime plus options. Uh, so it's like, I'll do key lime guava, key lime coconut, key lime pistachio, key lime espresso. Um, there's probably Why a couple of key lime stop, pistachio. Stop looking at how's me. How's that? How's that key lime pistachio? Uh, as long as you're not allergic to tree nuts, it's amazing. Oh, I love you know? pistachio. Otherwise it's going to be the yeah. great last meal you've ever had, you know, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's good stuff. It's really good. What do you... Have any other flavors really taken off besides the original? Yeah, the key lime guava. We're in Miami. Oh, of course. You know, so it's like everyone. Personally, I so I like. Well, actually, okay. There's another one that I would say it's my favorite, just because it's the most interesting. Botanical. When they came to me, oh, forgot to mention. There's a whole ten inch pies and also four inch personal pies to throw that in. So when Botanical came to me about getting uh putting me on the menu, because they're they're a quality food place, but they're also a gin bar. And so they asked me if I could make a gin-themed key lime pie. So I started messing around with different things. And so I came up with a juniper key lime pie. And to give it a cocktail feel, I give it an elderflower whipped cream. And so that's, it's, I mean, uh, you know, key lime coconut, you expect to find that. So are you doing like a steep with the juniper berries? No, it's a juniper extract. Oh, okay. I keep it very simple. Okay. Okay. I tried, uh, and I, you know, I tried doing, adding other, uh, other infusions. Yeah, yeah. And that you one know? worked the best? Yeah, every, because uh, I, you know, I wanted to make it more to, like, a true, not London Dry, obviously, but right. anyways, we're going down the rabbit hole here. No, 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 I know, but um, it's interesting to use juniper berries. I mean, I've done, I've used juniper berries for a and lot beer. of different things, and beer, I mean, pork belly cures, stuff like that. I mean, it can be very strong based. Yeah, so you have to, you have to like, moderate it. Very moderate it. Yeah. yeah. The guava, obviously, being in Miami, like a pastelito, obviously would have gone well. I mean, how does that, I mean, that's a... How do you infuse that? Yeah. Extract also? No, uh, so, not extract. That's, um, I'm giving away all my secrets here. No, 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 no. <laughs> Listen. No, I don't mind. You can I don't give mind. the recipe, but not everyone's going to know how to make the sauce. So. Well, no, that, uh, I was, uh, I, I asked my produce guy if he could bring me, uh, natural guavas. And yeah. he's Big like, guavas. look, if yeah. you try to do that, it's going to be a nightmare. I've got this. Uh, I've got a marmalade brand that is as essential to guava as it gets. Try that, and it's worked out the best. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So during this growth, Barracuda Tap House and Grill, Sandbar Sports Grill, Shore to Door Fish Market, and Botanico Gin and Cookhouse, from whom you've created, a, you know, obviously this exclusive key lime pie with juniper and elderflower. All of your pies on their, you know, are on their dessert, you know, menus. Who who out of those was like your first commercial account, and how did that? How did you start that part of the business? Did they come to you? I mean, did you seek this out? Like, how did that go down? So the first person that came to me was actually not less of an established restaurant. There's another woman who sells, in my opinion, and I don't say this just because, just for marketing purposes. Uh, you have a woman in Coconut Grove named Rena. She has a coffee company called Cafe Birita. Right. And she started off doing a pop-up in the Grove, and it became a bit more of a perma- permanent establishment. And she started selling the slices. And then after that, I was um, – because I'm, go- I'm good friends with the owner, Barracuda. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, he, uh, we were talking about it, and he put me on. And it was kind of a – you know, once, it, once you break through the door, it becomes a little easier. Yeah. And the guys at Botanico, they um, – they came to me. They were ju- they were getting ready to open shop, right. and they were looking for something local to nice. bring to the uh, to bring to the menu. And someone referred me. And I mean, the mini pies got their start because the GM at Coral Reef Yacht Club 
wanted something smaller to offer for boats. Uh, for diners in the, uh-huh. you know, so he wanted something just to go. He he wanted to bring the pies on, right? But he didn't like the idea of slices. He wanted something a little more presentable, right? So started uh, started messing around with mini pies with him, right. and that replaced the slices altogether. I mean, that makes more sense, actually. Yeah, I mean, because if you think about it on a dessert, I mean, you get the slices, but I almost would rather a oh the four inch personal. The cute factors through the yeah, roof. You absolutely. Know, it's a, it's a, a you know, little girls are like, oh my God, it's like, it's <laughs> as big as my hand. That is awesome. So you just announced some big news. Can you tell us about the new shared space with the boutique Maya Hacha in Coconut Grove? Yep. So Maya Hacha is oldest still existing business, just not in the same location. Uh, she'd been there since 1968 and She's been she's been having a hard time um, staying in a location with you know Coconut Grove is valuable real estate these days. Yes, me yeah. and her her name's Vivian. Me and Vivian just signed the lease on a storefront on Grand Avenue, thirty six oh six. Nice, just okay. west of Plaza. Nice. I'm going to be selling pies out of one side. She's going to be selling wardrobe wear. What's the word for that? She's uh, she's going to have her boutique on clothing, the other. clothing boutique. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of uh, exotic clothing, jewelry, houseware, and killer pies. Absolutely, side by side, and That's so it's uh, we're ta- we're taking this to the next level finally, and it's terrifying. storefront, a real storefront, then. yeah, yeah. So actually, a brick and mortar, yeah, I mean, which is an evolutionary step along the business. I mean, kind of getting into that. I mean, we've had a few entrepreneurs on the show who started cooking, baking out of their house. You know, we had Cindy Lou's cookies. You know, the Wolf of Tacos. You know, I. I started brewing out of my kitchen. That kind of turned into this place. What are you looking forward to the most about baking in your own commercial space now? Not baking in my own house. <laughs> oh, my God. Not having a mess in your house. The, the mess is the, it feels like the mess is the least of the problems at this point. It's like, because I'm selling out of my house, you know, I'll wake up at 9 in the morning, walk out in my boxers, and there's already someone peeking through the window. Oh, like, hey, this way I get the pies, you know. I oh, shouldn't God. say it like that because oh, you know. I'm like that's really weird, dude. Yeah, it's a uh, and I mean it's flattering, but but also yeah. weird. Like that, that, uh, I mean that that's an interesting point. I mean you're you're still there, but now you're obviously going to get away from that factor. I mean, yeah, I don't know if I'd be like if someone came to my door like, hey, where's the you know yeah is and, your beer ready for sale? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, so I'm I'm as so don't get me wrong. This whole experience has been no, it's great. Been great. Yeah. And especially during COVID, it was yeah. the best way to spend my time is, you know, you're, it's like watching your baby grow. Right, of course. You know, especially when it's like, well, I can't spend my money on anything else anyways. Watch it grow. Why not? Right. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's about that time. You know, it's cracked through the shell. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm glad to hear that you got your, you know, you actually got a brick and mortar and going forward on this. Do you, do you dream about taking Fukum's Fabulous National? Like Cindy Lou's, I mean, or do you see yourself keeping it more of a local thing? Because I, I she's now national brand, right? Franchise, this, that. I mean, it's kind of just, but I mean, that's a whole different um, level. Yeah, it's so. I, I don't think I'm so caught up in what I'm doing now. Right. It's hard to think that far ahead. You're living in the present. Yeah, and if I mean, if it happens, great, but. It's also the kind of thing, like, if I was able to, bring, I watch, I see what, for example, Salty Donuts done, and I think it's amazing what they've done. Yeah. And it's a, they're able to, they're, they're able to retain what they are, it seems, no matter where they go. Right. If I could do it like that, that would be amazing. Right. Um, the, the idea of doing it to, the, to that kind of scale is intimidating, to say the least. Right, because I think they have eight or nine stores now. And like nationwide, right? Well, Texas, Florida. Listen to uh, our, I think, almost most recent episode with the salty <laughs> donut, Andy and Amanda. But I think I think they're episode. in like three or four states now. Yeah, I mean, it's the last one I heard about was Austin. Um, I, I think they now have like three in three Dallas. In, really? Yes. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not in just in Aust- a, a Dallas, Austin, and Houston. And so it's a. Uh, I did. I'm, I, for me, it's one step at a time. Right. That, you know? is, that is scary. I yeah. mean, you could take key lime pie to Spain. I've thought about that. I would love to introduce it to Madrid or Barcelona. You know, I, I um, mean, if for nothing I else, to maintain a residency. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad place to live. You know, it's not Barcelona. I have not been to Madrid, so 
So uh, for my sister, when she graduated college, me and my brother took her on a Euro trip. I told her, I was like, look, you got to think about Barcelona and Madrid as two members of the family. And Barcelona's that aunt who's kind of getting on in age, but still retaining her beauty with an elegant gray streak, well-dressed, coming from some exotic land with a souvenir and a story to tell you. <laughs> and right. Madrid is that uncle with dyed black hair, hair, a belly, and comes up to you and says, pull my finger. You know? <laughs> it's just, you, you got to love them for their own reasons, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. So I have one last question for you here. What advice do you have for anyone who finds themselves in a similar situation that you were in? Was it that easy just to get into this, or was this kind of a leap of faith kind of thing? So for me, this was just... Survival. Survival, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but it was just uh, the stars aligned. Right. I happened to be out of work anyways, and there was no work on the horizon, so I had nothing to lose by right. putting the time into it. The house that I live in, it's right on a main street in Coconut Grove, which for people who don't know about Coconut Grove, you wouldn't, you wouldn't so much see it these days. Coconut Grove has gone through a lot of changes. And from what I understand, it's the same kind of changes you might see in Haight-Ashbury. Ah. Um, but it's, a, it's always kind of been a sister city to Key West, if you want to call it a city. Right. So the neighborhood is very apropos already for the product that I was selling. Um, it's a small community still, and so, it's a, so I had the support of the community. It was just the perfect storm for the opportunity that I had. Okay. Do you think it also helped with, like, your mental to be able to do something during a time where, like, you couldn't do anything, right? Right, so and I mean— you had to keep busy somehow. Yeah, and I mean, to, if I'm being perfectly honest, there was more beer than pie involved in the early days, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Got you through. Yeah. It got you through. But yeah, no, there was a, especially knowing that, so the television industry, I, I'd miss working with a lot of the people that I used to work with and I miss being, having a good excuse to get paid to leave the house, but the television industry can be brutal. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a very intense, uh, it has very intense work demands. And so having a, having an alternative to that work environment it was that was also not as stressful yeah 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 okay well thank you very much for joining us today Thanks, this has been a uh, been a pleasure to talk to you and now we definitely have to get some pies pleasure thank appreciate you. it cheers that's it for this week i'd like to thank our guests davy martin and joshua abriel our co-host maria cabre our producer rocco riggio and our editor brian o'connell thanks for listening you can catch us each friday at our new time 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Business Radio 132 or anytime on the SiriusXM app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate the show and leave a review. Remember, people, the, the thirst, thirst is, is real. real.